Today's episode of Socially Democratic is presented to you by Dunn Street. Dunn Street partners with businesses, organisations, unions and social democratic parties across Australia and the globe to train leaders, develop engagement strategies and empower people to organise for change. And in 2020, Dunn Street will continue to work with folks who want to make a difference, inspire, give hope and enable leadership to achieve their shared purpose. To find out how you can partner with Dunn Street, hit us up at dunnstreet.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Socially Democratic your weekly centre-left political and cultural podcast that dive into the progressive issues of the day and the people leading them from home and abroad. On this week's episode, we are joined by Felicity Wade. And Felicity is the co-convener of Lean, which is the Labor Environment Action Network. And she's going to join us on tonight's episode to talk about the work that Lean do within the party but also uh, the Labor spokesperson for Agriculture and Resources and the member for Hunter, Joel Fitzgibbon, went on Sky News this week to make a couple of remarks about Lean um, that uh, ticked off a whole bunch of people on Twitter. So I thought we would get Felicity to come on and talk a bit about Lean and the work that they do and obviously then go into that whole conversation about brown versus green and the things that sort of keep on tearing us all apart in a policy debate. So... Uh, that's today's episode and uh, don't forget to subscribe to Socially Democratic on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. And if you're an Apple Podcast user, please leave us a rating and give us a review. And for all the updates about this Labor Party podcast, Social Democratic, follow us on Dunn Street at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Let's get to today's episode. We're taping this one on a Friday night in uh, downtown Melbourne, and this week's special guest is the national co-convener for the Labor Environment Action Network, Uh, And she joins us tonight to specifically tear apart my poorly constructed Young Labor Forestry Policy from 1995 titled No Logs, No Jobs. Felicity Wade, welcome to Socially Democratic. Hi, Stephen. Good to be here. Um, We can talk about my um, Young Labor Policy from 1995 a little bit later on Mm. if we have time. But before we do do that, earlier this week, the... Uh, shadow spokesperson for resources and agriculture, uh, Joel Fitzgibbons, also the member for Hunter, went on Sky News to kick off what I like to call the good old-fashioned green versus brown debate inside the Labor Party um, and suggesting that the uh, that Lean or the Labor Environment Action Network were infiltrating the Labor Party uh, with their green agenda. And I thought, well, let's just get Lean on and have a bit of a chat about that. So uh, first of all, before we start talking about the remarks that Joel made on uh, TV. For those of the, those listening who are unfamiliar with the work that Lean does and its relationship within the party, um, over to you. Talk us a bit about Lean. Yeah, okay. So Lean, as you explained, is called the is the Labor Environment Action Network. It was actually started by uh, Christina Keneally and Jenny McAllister, who are both now New South Wales Labor senators, back in 2004. And I think it took its inspiration from uh, Labor's for Refugees, which was the very first of these um, interest uh, policy concerned groups in the party and very much took that model of, you know, taking people from the left and the right who had concerns over particular policy issues and, and combined their efforts to, to try and make change. 
Uh, it's had, had a couple of iterations in 2004. As I said, it began in New South Wales. In 2007, another group of people came along and revived it and made it a national organisation around um, the fact that climate change had become such an important issue in the in the federal uh, debate. And I guess it had once again <laughs> run its course, being a completely voluntary organisation. Mm. And from my point of view, um, I turned up in... Um, I was working for Luke Foley, the Shadow Minister for the Environment in New South Wales at the time, when we were looking at losing 2013 uh, federally. And various people across the party, I think, started to worry that that would be an excuse for Labor to backtrack on climate change. So I got the tap on the shoulder and was told, so how about you go and revive this thing? And so now Lean is, um, you know, it's a very much a grassroots organisation. We, our, our, we claim to, what we aim to do is, to, we say, is to celebrate Labor's legacy on the environment and to campaign to ensure it's central to its future. We are unashamedly grassroots driven. Uh, we have no, no structural power in the party, so we're very much about talking to members and working with branches and surprise, surprise, the membership are very, very deeply committed to environmental action from the Labor Party. And you have a bit of that balance as well from a, both a policy side and a campaign side. I, I, In my former life as the former Assistant Secretary of the Labor Party, I spent less time in that policy world but more on the campaign stuff and I got to see the, uh, the output that lean members uh, contributed to political campaigns, uh, particularly in those tight marginal contests between Labor and the Greens in particular parts of it in a city Melbourne where they would rock up and knock on doors or make calls and have hard conversations with, you know, notionally Green voting voters and talk to them about the important work that Labor has done in this space. So it's I think it's an impressive organisation that has been built over a sustained period of time and it's great to see you guys actually continuing on. So I, I didn't actually realise there were such a, so many different sort of iterations that the organisation has gone through. Then Joel Fitzgibbon comes on uh, Sky on Tuesday night and makes some interesting claims about Lean's upcoming event, I think, that you were going to have in the Hunter Valley. Um, right. And um, suggested that uh, that there will be people in green T-shirts attending Labor Party uh, branches, preaching uh, their gospel to those who would be prepared to listen. Um, it's the wrong impression for the party and it's the wrong way to approach policy development by running around the branches and infiltrating branches this is all quotes that Joel said. Uh, and in fact, I suspect that some of these people have probably infiltrated the party. What's your initial, what was your initial response to these remarks from, from Joel? Well, they're kind of flabbergasting at one level. Um, I mean, it's kind of funny. You know, there's a, the whole green T-shirt obsession, I think I should clarify before we start. That's an important one because it's one of those debates that goes on and on and on in lean. We, in fact, have home and away T-shirts. We have green <laughs> T-shirts for home. Because I don't know how many people have ever gone to an ALP conference and tried to stand out in red. Mm. But anyway, and we have away, away T-shirts, which are red and white and have a wind, windmill on them and on the back list all Labor's achievements. So, yeah, the whole uh, – we are <laughs> to, to claim that our, um, our home T-shirts are proof of, of some alliance with allegiance with the Greens is crazy. Um, I think there's two things about Joel's comments. I think um, – the language that sort of almost suggested entryism that you know somehow we are we're infiltrators we're not genuine we're not you know we're not um, legitimate members in the part part of the party I think there's a bunch of comments I'd like to make about that first of all um, I think you know since the environment and climate change is in fact the biggest not only the biggest existential issue of the 21st century but also the biggest social movement of the 21st century one could clearly argue that 
Labor's very effective efforts to keep the interests out in the 80s led directly to the creation of the Greens and all the troubles that has pursued that have come from that. Mm. You know, Bob Hawke was leading that debate. It was shut down by a whole bunch of, you know, of, of, of um, people in the party, not least Paul Keating, I think. And, you know, we are, pay, we are pay for that dearly. And we pay for that by, by virtue of now the Green Voice being so polarising and so destructive to us building those bridges between um, middle-class concern and, a, you know, working-class concerns, I guess, which is sort of how it's usually framed. So I just sort of mark that kind of notion that we, we know somehow that environment isn't a legitimate part of our, of our, of our agenda. I think um, because, in, you know, as a social democratic party in the 21st century, there is no way we can survive. We'll be an anachronism unless we can absorb and manage this issue. And um, I often say, you know, that there are three factors of production. That's the old, um, that's, that's the classical version of economics. There's, of course, there's capital, there's labour, and there's the land or resources. Now, our party comes out, our movement comes out of the conflict between capital and labour, which was so clearly evident, you know, in the industrial post-industrial revolution. But I think now here we are at the end of the, in the 21st century, and it's very clear that capital and the land have just as much conflict. And for a communitarian party who say we care about actually, you know, working together, there is no greater issue than, than our actual, uh, the ecosystems around us that sustain us being under attack and assault. Um, and unless we can work out how to manage uh, capital's um, undermining of, of our living of our living world, um, just as, you know, we will, we will suffer and die. I noticed, I mean, obviously Joel's from the Hunter Valley and they're... Um... It's, it's, uh, look, it's a region I've actually never been to before, but I can only imagine what it would be like in the sense that they are so reliant on coal. I come from Gippsland and that's the Latrobe Valley and it's a very similar kind of um, experience. Um, he, uh, I think he must have, I'm assuming that he's got his back up because you guys were going up there to hold a forum in the Hunter Valley. What was your purpose behind holding that? Forum. What was what was Lean doing up there in the Hunter Valley in the first place? Well, Lean um, has uh, we, we're, we're modelled on the st- on the uh, sort of structure of the party, and that you know our state branch we're state branches are very important, but increasingly we have very local branches because surprise, surprise, members are saying, here I am a member, I've got nothing to do, I really care about this issue and you guys are going to help me organise to be to be powerful voice in the party. Um, and we have a Hunter Lean. Um, so Hunter Lean and... Um, and I think again, this is another uh, quick point on on the way that that those com- about those comments was, you know, the guy who organised that um, pl- that forum is a guy in his twenties, a young man in his twenties. He's a second generation Labor member. His mum's a stalwart of of one of the Newcastle branches, um, and he put that together and he wrote Joel a very nice little email, in a very sweet little email, knowing you know knowing the context, saying we are worried that we are getting wedged between our working class base and our inner city people. And we don't want that to be, and we want to organise to bridge that gap. Um, you're a leader in our community. Will you come and, you know, do you want to come to our forum? Mm. And out of that was where that email came that ended up in the Australian. And from my point of view, that's just fundamentally, you know, these are good people who, um, you know, are, as volunteers, are, are building a forum around jobs and what we're going to do about the future for that area. And, and that's, that's what came back at him being put put on the front page of the Australian. Not a great way to grow a party and encourage young activists. But um, I, the reason we're in the Hunter, I think, cuts to a bigger, the bigger, the bigger issues at play here. Look, um, I want to talk about 
um, the general issue of where environment sits in our future, which is really important, but and and where it fits in terms, you know, and where it fits too in the kind of analysis of what happened wrong in the federal election last year. But very specifically, we do clearly have a problem with coal communities. You know, there was, and I'm um, Tony Grattan, sorry, Tony Wood from the Grattan Institute um, says this, and I think it's probably a good line, is that um, coal communities didn't vote against climate action, they voted against losing their jobs. And that is a problem, not only electorally for us, but morally too, mm. as a party who care for, for working people. Um, and I think it's very clear that, um, you know, I, I keep wondering, I keep being told that there was diversification policies in our, in our, for North Queensland and so on in our policy suite at the last federal election. I keep asking to see them. Oh, I, I haven't quite managed, no one's managed to find them for me. Um, so so there's, an, there's a point about, about policy. Um, but I guess more importantly, you know, we've got this challenge that, you know, the government has, um, you know, I think our challenge around climate change is that there are there's going to have to be massive transition in some communities in some you know, and there's no way to get into silver silver coat you know to silver bullet that or no, I'm getting my analogies mixed up to to coat that yeah. but um, the government you know our problem is that climate change has in a sense become uh, just one of the basket of things that a whole bunch of communities feel like they've been ripped off by uh, the neoliberal agenda of the last 20 years. And they can see change coming and they can't see that they don't believe governments are going to look after them in it. And, you know, we're as guilty of that on many fronts as anybody else. Um, and, you know, so we, we need to, we, we're sort of somehow saying, you know, we're going to make this change. You've got to trust us somehow because, you know, not that we've done it very well, in, you know, over many, many years now. And, and right at the time when your trust in government is lower than it's ever been. So I think I think we have to you know take very seriously how we're going to solve that problem and it's not easy. So why was Lean in the Hunter? We're in the Hunter because the best way, the only way we can see to solve this for Labor is to go out and talk to communities. So Lean is working very hard on building coalitions with, um, particularly with the AMWU, and together we are um, going to be spending a lot of time in the Hunter and talking to people. I mean, you know, what, there's a whole bunch of processes about transition going on in very many in various contexts now but it's our it's our view that those most impacted are really being spoken to and we can't really see a way out of this difficult problem because it is a difficult problem uh, without just going and actually spending a lot of time on the ground so that's what we're trying to organize to do um how did uh, i'm assuming the event that you're planning to hold has already happened is that right that's right yep it's um, great event <laughs> well, exactly. So, I mean, when you talk about having those conversations, sometimes that can come off sound like a cliche. What? Uh, how are you actually organising those conversations? Like, what's what, what work is involved in at a grassroots level to to reach out to people in those communities and gather information? And I'm assuming this is going towards helping you guys get a better sense about what kind of policies can be developed at a state and national level to to work with these communities to deal with the problems that you've just articulated. Yeah, well, so that forum, um, which was held on Wednesday night, you know, was a fantastic little forum. It was um, Steve Murphy, who is the newly announced National Secretary of the AMWU, um, the New South Wales State um, Climate Change and Environment Shadow Ministers, and she, she, the Environment Minister, Kate Washington, is actually a local to the Hunter as well. Um, Tony Wood from Grattan Institute and um, uh, Dom from BZE, the Beyond Zero Emissions, who are really doing a lot of modelling around how to build new jobs. Um, that that forum was really aimed at Labor Party members and we had about 100 people on the line and, you know, just starting to talk through, you know, is it really realistic, you know, that we one day may be able to shift into steel? Is it, 
you know, what does that mean in the immediate term? Um, you know, all of those questions, you know, are, are the renewables actually going to be here? What does, how, you know, what are we going to do to get, you know, jobs and conditions aren't very good in the renewable energy industry? All of those questions and conversations that we have to have. Mm. Um, more broadly, however, um, I think that there's more, more announcements to come, but the AMWU and LEAN and a number of community groups and a number of other unions are all talking at the moment about building the capacity to go out and do the work I've alluded to on the ground in the Hunter and um, really try and both understand and, um, and advocate for community interests in, in, in what's coming along, you know, coming along the path inevitably regardless. I thought it was interesting this, so one of the remarks that Joel said uh, in that Sky News interview, he sort of claimed that there was a, you know, a, actually didn't claim because there actually is. There's a scare campaign by the coalition uh, in which it's trying to pit uh, Labor and the Greens as being too closely associated with one another, um, but then went on to say that he wanted to ensure that the Labor Party is a broad church um, but I, I look. I infer from those remarks, and I don't want to put um, I don't want to put words into what he was saying. But I, I, I get a sense from him what he's saying is that we want to be a broad church, but there isn't any impl- place for environmentalism within that Labor Party broad church. Is that what you drew from those? <laughs> is that what, are, we, are we on the same page with this one? Yeah, it's confusing, isn't it? Um, I think. I mean, I, I actually um, had a quick look at the Australian Electoral Study this afternoon, you know, which is the the longitudinal study that the ANU do every election, every federal election, and look at what people why why people voted and what they voted about. I think there's a f- first important point just about the broad church. Um, it's really interesting when you look at who votes for us as opposed to who votes for the for Labor and what issues concern them. We have a problem. We can never, we have to be a broad church. We don't win government unless we're a broad church. Three quarters of coalition voters said economy is their most important voting issue. With Labor, it splits four ways. 30% say health is, 29% say environment is, 25% say economy is, and 13% say education is. Mm. You know, we know those lessons. We know that Gough Whitlam broke through those years of in the wilderness by virtue of building the coalition of, you know, middle-class concern and, you know, um, suburban aspiration as well as traditional blue-collar workers who are Labor's base. And unless we can work out what that means in the 21st century, um, we're staffed. So we have to be a broad church and, um, and, and it's appropriate that we are. But I think, I guess I would also say to that on that issue, we also can't just um, sort of see environment as a as an add-on in the Labor story. Um, that w- what the electoral study says, you know, and this is w- what makes me so upset about those comments and the sort of attack that's coming from parts of the party on the environment agenda, is it's a total misreading of actually why we lost last year. You know, it's a total and simplistic response. The electoral study says that, you know, climate and environment were positive for Labor. And what, what, what did we lose over? It was redistributive tax policy and, and, and to a lesser extent leadership. Mm. And yet what happens? They go after the climate change policy. It seems a bit insane. You know, Labor, it, 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 that, that study says that our strongest advantage was environment, whereas the coalition's strongest advantages were economy, tax and leadership, mm. two or three of which were our problems. So... And the, the you know and it, go, it goes on that that report. It's quite amazing, you know, that we actually won votes on the environment, whereas uh, the coalition just won won more votes on tax and leadership. 
So, you know, it's just a bit insane for us to be um, acting as though environment is some, you know, some minority interest group that has to sort of be in a, in a rainbow coalition. It's much more central than that. He did, uh, Joel did strike a tone of consensus in some of his remarks where he acknowledged that, that Labor and therefore government needs to protect the environment and take up clean energy opportunities. But sort of went on to say that during COVID that we need to create more jobs because so many jobs are being lost right now. And the quickest way to build upon that is to invest in the established industries. And I think that was code for um, coal and all the industries that are in his neck of the woods and give them a chance to grow. But I mean, I've always come to the, the uh, I'm of the opinion that, that these emerging renewable energy industries are actually where there is real growth and where there is real job opportunities for, for, for folks out there. Um, I think there was like uh, Ernest & Young did a report in July which stated that renewable-led economic recovery will create almost three times as many jobs as fossil fuel-led recovery. Um, what are your thoughts on on that? I mean, you're probably a bigger expert than this sort of stuff than I am. This is 20 minutes of me doing research. So what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Look, I mean, there's a there's a mountain. There's actually you could, you could get squashed by the storm of, um, of reports on what green, you know, environmentally positive lead recovery can do for us. Um, look, I think it's really important. I, there is a couple of points that are important in this. To retool our um, energy sector, there are a lot of jobs. You know, we've got 10 years of jobs building out the solar and the wind we need to, to, to run a clean energy sector. Um, it is true, however, that it doesn't take very many people to run a wind farm or a solar farm. And so in terms of the jobs challenge facing us, um, it's important that we recognise that if we have with the cheapest, well, the most wind and the most sun and the most land to, to, to exploit them in the, in the world, we should be using that, that competitive advantage and cheap and pl plentiful energy to be building manufacturing back. One of the great points that um, Ross Garner makes in his book Superpower about what the opportunity is for us to re-establish ma manufacturing is that renewable power is actually much harder to export than fossil fuel power. You can put coal on a ship, you can't put sunshine on a ship um so therefore the the you know it doesn't cost that much more to 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 burn your coal in china as it does to in australia but it's a lot more expensive to you know it's much cheaper to burn your um renewable energy uh power here than it is anywhere else so that means all of a sudden things like aluminium or or steel production or or even, you know, just, um, you know, energy intensive manufacturing should be able to, it's all those other things that that, that competitive advantage allows. It's really where we're going to see the job growth. Um, he mentioned uh, in the report that there was um, some environmental protection and biodiversity interim report led by Professor Graham uh, Samuel and suggested that you guys um, had rejected that report. First of all, what was in that report? Who's doing the rejecting? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there? So um, one of the campaigns that Lean has was very active in the last few years was about um, environmental law reform. And once every 10 years, the big fat piece of national law, law that um, dictates national environment law laws um, is, is statutorily reviewed. And this time the Morrison government has appointed, you know, former ACCC chief um, Graham Samuel to do that report. Um, that came out, it, the interim report was released about two weeks ago. Look, we, Lean worked very hard and actually had the support of 500 local sub-branches and other party entities to put a whole bunch of principles into the national platform to underpin our, our approach to, to environmental law reform. The problem at the moment is those laws, which were um, uh, 
created in the Howard years by Robert Hill are um, don't protect the environment. <laughs> they don't actually have any, they don't actually lo- legally obligate anyone to actually, you know, stop any environmental decline. And they are also incredibly cumbersome and confusing for government, for, sorry, for business. Um, so Samuel, I think, has responded, has recognised a whole bunch of those problems. He has very unequivocally said they are not fit for purpose. They are not stopping the decline that is actually now we're in real trouble with in Australia. We're still, you know, hitting record levels of um, of extinctions. We're the best in the world on mammal extinctions. We're, we've cleared, since those laws came in to protect the environment, we've cleared 7 million hectares, the size of Tasmania of critical habitat. You know, we've got plastics, to, you know, we've got plastics, we've got air quality issues, we've clearly got um, water, water quality issues and so on and so forth. Um, Samuels has come up with a bunch of uh, a sort of an architecture for reform on that you know I think it's very on each of the three kind of pieces of his reform we have very clear principles in the platform to um, to guide labor on how we respond to that um, no one is saying in a COVID world that we shouldn't be trying to expedite you know make it efficient make it work make it you know stop some of the ridiculous sort of uh, slowness and uh, duplication in the um in the approvals process but we can do both because if we clarify the environment uh standards in the laws and we also create an epa which is samuel's proposal uh we can therefore have you know well managed better administered laws that actually have criteria against which your development might be assessed which works for the environment and for business a recent article in the guardian reported uh, some international study by the uh, university of canberra that had uh, that reveals that Australians are most likely to deny climate change. Is this true? Like, uh, this surprised me when I was told this. Uh, no, well, that's a, I'm struggling with that. I mean, you know, as you know, the uh, the survey machine, the uh, the polling machine, is a variable beast. Mm-hmm. Um, Australia definitely. Um, I think it's really only about six or seven percent of den- are denialists, but that's pretty standard across the Western world. Um, Uh, again you know that electoral study I read today said 80% of people considered environment and how they voted and 21% of people said it was their most important issue so look I think the problem is we've just got a we've got a divided community on it and we have a right that is ruthlessly um, ruthlessly using it Um, as you know in many many western countries uh, it's not an issue a partisan issue but both in the states and Australia and to a lesser extent uh, Canada it is I think uh, the reliance on the resource industry doesn't, you know, is kind of part of that. It would be wrong to suggest it wasn't. But um, I also think we have failed. Our, our political elites have failed to, to build a, a middle road. And, you know, people like us have failed to, to not allow vulnerable communities to be vulnerable to the rights bullshit. Um, is, I mean, is, in essence, is that why climate change has become the third rail of Australian politics? Well, certainly from a left-wing side, we do not want to... T- I just get a sense that nobody wants to touch it. Every time it comes up in a conversation, it's like, oh, I don't want to go there. Yeah, look, climate change has been... We've we've suffered. We've been punished on climate change. You know, it's tough, and I'm not pretending it's not tough, but all I'm saying is we have to be better than that. We don't have a choice when, you know, we're looking at a, a two-degree warming <laughs> scenario when we've got droughts, when we've got fires and all the rest of that. And, look, I think... You know, we're not helped by those around us. We're not helped by by campaigns that, you know, 
feed into culture wars. We could go back to our discussion about the forestry <laughs> debate, which we're probably well, on very opposite well. sides of. <laughs> but, you know, I saw that debate. I was part of that, cam- that debate over many, many years. You know, that was a big issue in Australia for 10 or 15 years. And it was a culture war. It was, you know, greenies versus loggers. And, you know, from my perspective, the greenies always lost. What, how, did we, how did it get resolved in Tasmania? It's when unions, industry and, and environmentalists sat down and sorted it out. And I get very angry now when I sort of see those, those lessons which the environment movement should have, should have learnt being repeated in, in campaigns like the Adani campaign. And now it's even worse than that because they've got a whole political party that suits, that is, it's for whom it's totally in their political interests to make that cultural war intensify to be the opposite and equal um, voice of Matt Canna- to Matt Canavan and we get kind of scrammed in the middle. So, yeah, it's, it's a shit sandwich for us but we have to work out how to manage it because we can't, uh, we can't look after Australians into the future, we can't be legitimate, we can't really claim we're about um, protecting equality and, and a good life for all unless we can deal with this incredibly important issue. Is this too simplistic a summary to suggest that sections of the environmental movement are trying to make a case or trying to persuade voters to vote on the basis of its right to uh, support candidates or political parties um, that support uh, sustainability or support addressing the, the, the climate change issues that confront us uh, because this is, a, this is a great urgency? Um, as opposed to the other argument is that, no, no, we you need to vote in support of the environment because it engaged people through a uh, an economic frame. Yeah, look, I think that's that's incredibly, you know, that's that's the heart, I guess, of what Labor probably we did learn out of the 2000, last election. Um, the, the, the economic frame, you know, you have to be careful because there will be change. And change has implications and hurts and all those sorts of things. And as I talked about before, I think we've been part of um, a kind of cavalier, you know, neoliberal globalism that has left a whole bunch of our base behind and has got them pretty pissed off Mm. about change. (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, certainly I think that we can no longer say, you know, it's eat this because it's good for you. It's got to be about we've got a global world that is shifting and it clearly is the coal um the era of coal is over so regardless of whether you know we shift policy or not those commercial decisions are going to mean that there is less and less reliance on our fossil fuel resources internationally and so therefore less and less um, opportunity for us to rely on them as you know simply digging them up and sending them off so you know it becomes huge opportunity to build industries for the future to build an economy for the future you know to to actually be you know much more active you know you'd have to say australia's been a pretty lazy economy we've been so blessed we haven't exactly done what germany's done and identified future opportunities and trained our people and built the capacity to do it but here's the opportunity here's the moment and i think it's probably fair to say that unless labor leads that we you wouldn't want to look around the country and see too many other people who are ready to take on that task I'd be interested to get a sense from you in um, in the conversations you do have in the up in the Hunter Valley and the work that you, that Lean will be doing up there. Um, as I, I think I said on the program at one stage, I'm from Gippsland. Uh, many of my cousins worked and still currently work in the coal industry, um, and Latrobe Valley is um, you know the Latrobe Valley exists because of the coal industry. 
um, mm. and that's Loy Yang, it's Yalorn, it's um, formerly Hazelwood. But talking to my family up there, they even acknowledge that whilst their, their employment is dependent upon this industry, they recognise that it's, it's on the clock. And there's enough people now that are working in that industry or working in industries that are dependent on that industry who are saying, we, you know, we're not opposed to uh, renewable energies. In fact, we're quite proud that our tradition, the tradition of the, of the Latrobe Valley has been that we power Victoria. That's what we've done mm. for a very long time. And we'd like to continue to power Victoria. We don't care whether it's fucking you're digging up coal out of the ground or if it's chucking a whole bunch of windmills up or <laughs> solar, whatever, you name it. But we want to be a part of that. We want this history to continue. Um, so I, I, when I heard that from them, I was, I felt positive about that because I, you get this image from some people who are saying, no, 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 we're, you know, bugger that, we're all coal or nothing. It's coal or bust. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, is that your experience outside of Latrobe Valley? Totally. That's the experience. I think that that very important point that people are very proud of having of powering in the nation, you know, that's, you know, that's dignity and work stuff, you know, these, these communities have literally, you know, built, built our economy by, you know, keeping the lights on, keeping, keeping industry turning. But the other thing I think that's very clear is people are saying, we're not committed to the coal industry. We're just committed to having decent jobs. And I guess that's, you know, that goes to my point about our bigger challenges around the casualisation of work, um, the lack of um, trust that, you know, if we say there's going to be change, that that's going to be safe change um, and so on and so forth. So, look, I'm, you know, I, I'm amazed by how often you hear that, you know, I don't care if I work in the coal industry, I just need to, I just want to work. And I just, and it's, you know, of course, it's also that stuff of wanting you to know your children can work too, you know, it's, it's about having industries that are, um, cornerstone in a community you know obviously there's all the growth of health in health and um, services and NDIS and all that sort of stuff and you know I as much as anyone don't want to get stuck on an obsession with you know old white blokes jobs because there's a whole lot of women's jobs and, and other and service jobs but I think it's pretty clear that you know our economy does rely on some you know on having some of these big industries and you know we just have to make sure we can build them in a way that is actually believably comparable to, to what the coal coal industry has done for for so many generations. Last question before I let you go and have your dinner. Um, the ALP National Conference is due to be held in December. Um, we're in this very uncertain period right now as to whether or not it'll go ahead. But if it does go ahead, what's Lean's focus heading into that conference from a policy standpoint? Well, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm to be talking about these ideas about what does it mean for um, us to 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 use the opportunity of of the changes that are necessary to respond to a, cha- a climate, changing climate to to build uh, manufacturing to build a resilience to build industries that are actually about managing the change to, um, to and to, and to really call labour to not just I mean I think it's probably fair too to say that a lot of the climate change policy so far has been effectively uh, subsidy or corporate welfare um, but to say no it, no it has to be better than that it has to be um, cha- you know changing our energy systems and our and our manufacturing future but with a sort of an unashamed focus. On the community interests mattering, and 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 putting policy in that delivers it. Uh, last question, not a question actually. Opportunity to plug. How can people get involved in Lean if they want to? 
Well, lean is, you can just go to our website. It's www.lean.net.au. Um, you can just join there. Uh, when you get your email, you know, welcoming you in, you'll find a, a contact for your state organiser. You need to chase them down <laughs> and say, I want to get involved. Um, as with any uh, completely voluntary organisation, sometimes you have to be a little bit enthusiastic to actually get, get your way through the door. But I encourage you to do so. It's an incredibly um, affirming experience of, of um, humans working together because, as you know, the Labor Party is full of people. You know, we've got branches across the country who turn up every week, every month, just because they believe in making Australia a better place. And Lean affords you an opportunity to work with some of them. And that's really great. Well, we wish you the uh, the best of luck with the remainder of the year heading into the, the National Conference and all the work that you're doing in communities like the Hunter and across the country. Um, and I do recommend, look, I've um, sat next to some guys making some calls on some campaigns um, from Lean and uh, they've, um, it's, I can t- tell you, making calls in a Labor-Green contest is tough and they do it with a great sense of humour and a lot of patience um, and uh, I am always in great admiration uh, with the uh, f- the activists from, from Lean. So uh, strength to your arm. Um, and uh, Felicity, thanks very much for coming on the show tonight to uh, have, a, have a bit of a chat. Thanks for having me. 